will know that this is true. So let me ask you what you think the sermon is about. I'm giving you a clue here. So, what do you think? We've got don't and because and therefore. Any suggestions for don't? Don't worry, that's the easy one. Okay, thank you. Alright. Because. Okay. Because basically, yeah, God's God's in control and therefore. He will provide. And what about us? Care about the kingdom. Care about the kingdom. Actually, quite that's right. And what what would that mean for us? Okay, so think about others being, in other words, be generous. Alright, sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide persons for yourself. So it's, it's about being able to be a blessing to other people. Can we be a blessing to anybody else if we're wrapped up in anxiety? Who gets any benefit from us worrying? Uh, mostly it causes anxiety and worry for the other people around us. If we deal with our fears, and our worry and our anxiety in a spiritually healthy way, then we will enjoy the kingdom and we'll be a blessing to other people who also have needs around us. So my summary of these three steps to peace, uh, don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about stuff. God's got your back. Therefore, give stuff away. Amen. And that's my lesson. I mean, I can sit down. I think that's it, really. Uh, let me illustrate it a little bit. But, you know, if we could live by this, wouldn't we be a lot happier? Yeah. Uh, wouldn't we have a better impact on the people around us if we could just not worry about stuff, trust that God's got our back, and give stuff away, be generous to other people. Now, this is easy to say, and of course harder to do, right? Jesus says, do not worry. And one of the words he uses for worry, there's several words, in there. it's more than one word in the Greek he uses here, but one of them is this word from meteor itzephe, which means to be up in the air, to be in suspense. Do you ever feel like that? Like you're, you're you know, you're you're, unsus you're suspended above, like a chasm or something, and you, you don't feel like you, you've got roots or a rock. We sang about the rock earlier, didn't we? Uh, the rock that is higher than I. We, we don't feel that, we feel like we're suspended sometimes. And of course in the first century when Jesus is talking to these people, he's talking to people who are some of them one day away from hunger. A lot of them, if they didn't work that day, they would not have any money to buy food for that night or the next day. They had zero hour contracts. It was a first century thing, not just the 21st century. Um, and they were one harvest away from destitution. One bad harvest. And when we have a bad harvest somewhere in the world or whatever we like to eat, the price goes up. Maybe we eat a bit less of that. But it doesn't affect us in the same way. So, I know that we have our worries and fears and they're genuine. But bear in mind that what Jesus is talking about with these people was about their very physical survival. Mm -hmm. Not just about stuff that they found attractive to be interested in. So, how do we stop worry dominating us? Well, first of all, let's talk about not worrying about stuff. The key question, I think, in this first part of the passage from verses 22 to 26, is a key question Jesus asks. He says, He says, Who of you, verse 25, by worrying can add a single hour to their life? 
Who of you by worry can add a single hour to your life? It, it, this is the question he asks. If you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? I'm not so sure about it being little. Oh, I think that's cheese. I don't know if there's a sense of humor in that. A little thing to add an hour to my life. Okay, I don't know. But Jesus regarded, I suppose, as the creator of all that there is, including time. For him, it's little. We would think that really hard, but he says that's even a little thing. You can't do that. Why, why worry about all these other things you have no control over? I think is what he's talking about. I think he's talking about being aware of our limitations. Are we conscious and sober and humble about our limitations? Penny and I, this week, uh, went away for three days. Uh, we went on a walking holiday. Penny booked it. It was lovely. It was, uh, our anniversary is next week, and this was kind of our anniversary thing. And so we uh, did some of the Thames Path. The Thames Path is 180 miles, I think it is, from the, uh, the Thames Barrier all the way up to the beginning where the Thames begins. I've been on the journey. And we talked about doing the whole walk at some point, bit in bits, so we thought we'd do the first bit. And so we took the train down to um, uh, Charlton, walked to the Thames Barrier, and then walked along the Thames for three days, with just what we could carry on our backs. It was very freeing, a little nerve-wracking. Mind you, having an Oyster card and a credit card took some of the anxiety. <laughs> um, but, we did only carry away what we could carry, so I washed my t-shirt each night, you know, just had the one t-shirt, and of course Penny didn't have to wash hers because she doesn't smell, because women don't, and that's no reality. Come on in, lovely to see you. Special chairs, there you go, reserved for you. Thank you. We're in loop 12. Thank you. Alright. Um, anyway, I'll tell you more about that another time. We had a lovely walk for three days, and we walked about six miles a day. Which doesn't actually sound a lot, but by the time I did six miles, I was feeling my limitations. <laughs> my knees were creaking, my back was hurting, my hips were hurting, and I was tired. And we slept really well each night, you know, and I'm still feeling, honestly, quite tired. And I just walked six miles, it's not that far. But I have limitations. And we need to be sober about our limitations if we're not going to worry. We often get worried about things that we cannot control. Outside our control. Um, it's nice to stretch ourselves. Uh, uh, this was a headline in one of the local papers in Hertfordshire a few days ago. Apparently, um, medal winners from the Olympics were 13th in the medal table. If, if you did it just by medals, you know that uh, Hertfordshire Olympians were 13th. They were above Brazil. Wow. Uh, just Hertfordshire um, Olympians, including Laura Trott, because she was brought up around this area. Um, and, and it's exciting to watch the Olympics. I, I really enjoy it. But even they have their limitations. I mean, their limitations are far beyond mine. I could walk six miles. I think a lot of them could walk a lot further than six miles. They could run a lot more than six miles. But even they are limited. Mm. Are we aware of our limitations and happy to be content? Earlier in chapter 12, there's a story of the rich fool. Jesus tells the parable of that man. In fact, let's have a little look at this section of it. <clears throat> in verse 16, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He got a good bonus from work back from that year. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. 
And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. The, the rich fool here was so in love with his wealth that he took his eyes off his mortality. And this can happen to us. We think that we're going to live forever. Though we know in our heads it's not true. In our hearts we sometimes live as if this will not all go at some point. The more attached we are to the possessions of this world, the more anxiety we will have. And that brings us to the challenge of the parable of the sower in Luke 8. Uh, a parable I'm sure we know well. The parable of the sower. There's a problem for the third soil, isn't there? And I think this is the one that I relate to most. Third soil, the challenge of the third soil. That the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by lights of worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Worries. You see how worries is first in that list? Worries, riches, and pleasures. Perhaps the worries come from the riches and the pleasures. It doesn't say that riches and pleasures are evil. But if we set our hearts on them, they lead to worry and choke, and choke the spiritual heart that we have. Um, here's our other um, deep thinker and poet, John Bon Jovi. Um, in, in the song, Hey God, which is an interesting song. You should listen to it if you don't know it. And, and here's sort of the, the way he's appealing and singing to and complaining, in a sense, to God and trying to reason with what's going on in life. He has this verse, Hey God, I'm just a little man, got a wife and family, but I almost lost the house. Yeah, I bought into the dream. We're barely holding on when I'm in way too deep. We're two paychecks away from living out on the street. And he's acknowledging that he's in too deep. Like, he's, I think he's acknowledging subconsciously, I'm in, I put myself in too deep. I'm holding on to this dream. And then that creates that insecurity. So you see, Jesus and John Bon Jovi are on the same wavelength. <laughs> so what is Jesus saying? Is he saying don't work for food and clothes? I don't think so. He's saying don't worry about food and clothes. Don't worry about the stuff of life. Jesus isn't talking here to lazy people who are concerned to make a living. He's, he's talking to worried people, to those who are tempted to join the rat race. So let's talk about our second point here. God's got your back. So he says, think about the ravens, think about the flowers of the field, they're taken care of. So why do you worry about your needs? God's got all that sorted out. Seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. It seems to be the key promise here. If you seek that, the kingdom, the, the, the stuff you really need, you'll be okay with. It's the stuff you don't really need that maybe you need to give away. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So what do we do? We need to reflect. We need to reflect on the ravens. Ravens in the Old Testament, Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14, are unclean. I think Jesus chooses that particular bird for a purpose, to say, God will redeem and, and, and purify even the unclean, which is a lot of us. We're really unclean. We are the Gentiles, of course, in this context. The ravens are unclean, but God even takes care of the unclean, let alone the clean. So don't worry that the rain falls on the good and the evil, right? That stuff is, is taken care of. We don't need to worry. The wildflowers. Um, this is one of the most expensive dresses in the world. 
I will not ask of the women here how, what is the most expensive dress that any of you have bought. I have no idea what that would be, but this dress is worth about a million dollars. A million US. I mean, I say worth, I'm not sure I'd agree with that evaluation, but that's what it would fetch if it was being sold. It's a Vera Wang wedding gown. Now, now that's awesome, isn't it? So, Vera Wang wedding gown, it's made of 2009 peacock feathers. I pity the peacocks, personally. Uh, I'm not sure how willing and cooperative they were. Or, but 2009 peacock feathers worth about a million US dollars. That's an expensive dress. And Jesus says, the flowers you see in the field that are uncultivated, I think is what he's talking about here, just wild flowers that just happen to grow somewhere, are worth more. And they're taken care of. And you are worth more than the birds. And you are worth more than the flowers. You're more valuable. God will take care of you. You're worth more than that dress to God. You're that will priceless to him. So what do we do? I think we heed the words of Luke 11 where Jesus said that prayer, in that prayer and teaching on prayer, he said, give us our daily bread. Or give us today's bread. Might be a more accurate translation. Just give me what I need today. Just today. And I'll be content. Can we say that? We pray that in the morning. Honestly, you know, God, just give me what I need today and I'll be happy. What I need, not what I want, not what I hope for, but what I really need is that and I'll be happy. Can we... I think that's one of our challenges in our, in our devotional times as we pray in the morning before going out to work or what's on the way to work or whenever we get a chance to pray, is that prayer is very challenging. Just God, give me enough for today and give me the right heart to be content with just what I need for today. How much better we might deal with the anxieties we have if that was a consistent prayer if we prayed every day. We don't need extra stuff. How many fewer fights would there be? How many fewer divorces? How many fewer abused children, how many fewer heart attacks might there be if we could just all pray, if the whole world would pray and be content with just what we need, instead of what we think we need. God will provide, we are valuable. You see the way that uh, Jesus changes from God to Father, he changes the word here from God to Father. He changes part of the way through here. In, uh, it talks about God, and then in verse 30, your Father knows you need these things. In verse 32, do not be afraid of the flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So he's saying God's under, God is connected with you personally. It's not just God as a concept. He really knows what you need. And in fact, what you need might be different from what I need, but God knows that. And the Father knows that, because he's our Father. So this is the relationship we have with Father God, is one who knows what we need, and they've promised to help us out. I like this quote from N.T. Wright from uh, his commentary on this passage. Reflecting on the birds and the flowers isn't meant to encourage a kind of romantic myst uh, nature mysticism, but to stimulate serious understanding. God, the Creator, loves to give good gifts, loves to give you the kingdom, loves, that is, to bring his sovereign care and rescue Right to your own door. Right to your own door. God coming to us. Father coming to us to meet our needs. Therefore, we need to be careful what we're running after. Um, he says, don't run after the stuff like the pagans do. Instead, seek the kingdom. 
You know, running is rather exhausting, at least I find it to be so. Um, uh, Usain Bolt is an amazing runner, um, and, and he is pretty exhausted after running 100 meters. It's not the distance, it's the effort he's putting in, right? It's the speed. Whereas Mo Farah, amazing athlete again, 5,000 meters, 10,000 meters, he also looks pretty exhausted. Not as exhausted as I think I would be, but definitely looks pretty exhausted. But again, it's, it, I, I guess his exhaustion is the same as Bolt's exhaustion, it's just a different distance, right? The thing about it is, it's okay in life to be tired. I, th I think that's okay. Christians are often tired. The world, wasn't someone said, the world is run by tired men, tired women too, I think. So that, it's okay to be tired. I think it's not okay to be exhausted. That's kind of, you can't go on any further. I don't know what Usain Bolt's maximum distance is at that speed, but it's not much further than 100 meters, right? I don't know what Mo Farah's uh, uh, possibilities are beyond 10,000 meters, but at that speed, it's not much further, right? He's exhausted at the end. It means he can't continue. It's not good for a Christian to not be able to continue, to not sustain our effort for God, our zeal for God, right? Never be lacking in zeal. So that doesn't mean never be not exhausted. It means stay zealous. We've got to look after ourselves. I mean, I think this is one of the things that Jesus is saying here, is be sober and look after yourself. It doesn't mean be self-indulgent in a lazy kind of way, but understand God knows you have limits. He'll take care of what you need. So that's okay to be tired, but if you're exhausted, and this would be my, th my thinking I've been thinking about for myself, is when I get truly exhausted, like I can't just carry on, I can't do any more. I wonder whether it's because I've become anxious and worried about stuff that doesn't really matter. Have I been expending my energy on stuff that really doesn't matter? I think for me there's a connection between the two. And then I get exhausted. We don't have to get exhausted. We can get refreshed by God. And then it means, thirdly, that we can give stuff away. Because when we trust God for taking care of what we need, then we are liberated, aren't we? We feel we can be generous to other people. We've been given the kingdom, which is more precious than anything on earth, and therefore we can give other uh, stuff that we have away. It doesn't matter anymore whether we keep our stuff or not to us. Now, you may have heard recently the Duke of Westminster died. Was he the third richest man in Britain? I think. Um, when, he, uh, when his father died, he inherited uh, his estates, which were valued at £9 billion at that time. Um, I don't know about you, but I just, those numbers are beyond what I can really grasp. It doesn't begin to mean anything, right? But he was quoted as saying it was the worst thing that happened to him. That he, he regretted deeply having inherited that wealth. Now, the temptation is to think, well, I, I could have taken a bit. Uh, if it was that burden, I, you know, I'll take the nine million, okay? I, that's fine by me. But the truth is, would that nine billion have burdened us? How much anxiety might it have caused us? I'm not having a go at the Duke of Westminster. I didn't know him as a person. It's not about that. It's about being understanding for ourselves that we have something much more precious than nine billion. We've got the kingdom. My goodness. We've been invited into the kingdom. We've been given what we need. And, uh, and, and it cannot be taken away. No moth, no thief. There is a thief for all of our belongings and that thief is dead. It'll steal everything you have. Whether it's 9 billion or 9p, it'll all go. So, 
we have something much more valuable. And it's safe and secure. God, God's got our soul, our heart, our future life, our being, whatever it is in the next world. He's got that safe. Safe is a big deal. We like to feel safe. Uh, it is, uh, one of our treasures to be safe. Like these quotes from some security firms. Um, Sean will know about, more about this than uh, me. Security firms, most security, their, their theme is alarmed. You should be. Gotta think about that one. Alright. Sloan Security Service, we keep watch so you don't have to. Centurion Security Company, our business is protecting yours. Security Guard, we make people feel safe. And they're tapping into the emotional side, yeah. which is really smart in marketing terms, I think. And professional security associates providing professional security in an insecure world. We do live in an insecure world. We do. We don't know what's coming around the corner. But we've been promised the kingdom, and that means we've been promised far more than the world has to offer. Matthew 19. Let me pop this on the screen as well. Matthew 19. Jesus says this. At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And... Everyone. Now this is the thing, right? Everyone. So there it's, it's the twelve. You who have followed me and sit on the twelve thrones. That's the disciples. But here it's everyone. Everyone. It's you and me. Every one of us sitting here who's made that commitment to be a disciple. Everyone who has left home, houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. I think that's referring back to that third soil, maybe. We've been, we, we inherit a hundred times as much. Who's got 5p? Who's got a 5p piece? Anybody got a 5p piece? i got something I want to exchange with you. You've got a 5p piece. You've got a 5p piece. 5p piece? Okay. Okay, so I have an offer for you. Right? This is a five pound note. And it's a hundred times worth more than your five pound piece. Would you like to trade? You should. I mean, that's a nice shiny five pound piece. It looks really shiny, it looks really nice. You obviously love it, it's been in your purse, it's been in your possession. This is a stranger, you don't know this. I mean, who knows? What it may bring you or where it's been, I don't know. It came out of my wife's purse, not mine. I have to say. Um, are you sure you want to trade? Oh, now, now you see, now that's interesting, isn't it? Doesn't feel equal. Doesn't feel equal. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you. I'm going to trade you. Thank you very much. Hang on. Excellent. I like shiny things. Very good. Who would? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the limit of my. <laughs> this, is a, this is a smart group. I'll tell you, I was originally going to do a 50p and a 50 pound note, but I thought no. So, um, <laughs> it, who would be? Who would not trade 5p for 5 pound? That'd be, be stupid. We think that was idiotic. Who of us here would not trade what we have for the kingdom or for, the, for eternal life, for the promises of Jesus, for true peace? Why hold on to our anxieties and worries and fears when true peace and true joy and true treasure 
is available. What are you holding on to? Are you holding on to any fears that are preventing you from inheriting what God has promised and offers us today? It's, isn't it joyful to be able to give to other people? Well, we can only give when we've received. When we have received, then we give. Provide purses for yourself. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. He says, doesn't say sell everything, but sell some possessions. Give some stuff away. Our neighbours were giving some things away. They were having a clear out. And they gave away a table and chairs, which we put in my car yesterday and took round to my children's house where they live because they haven't got any furniture. They were so happy. It's an old table and chairs. But they're so happy. We're happy. They're happy. And our neighbours are happy. They were excited giving the stuff away. Penny's got some lettuces here to give away. Do you give me one already? I've got one. You got one? Okay. Yeah, we got a lot of lettuce growing in our garden. It looks really nice. You got one? Okay. And, and actually, we got a lot more lettuce. If anybody wants to come around, there's a lot of lettuce. Um, and I like lettuce, but there's just a lot of it. So, But it's, it's a joy in that growing and giving. And, and Here's my final thought. And if you like a challenge. What's the most difficult thing for you to give away at the moment that's important to you? What sort of thing in life is hard to give away? I'm not talking here necessarily so much about a specific possession, but that could be the case. But more, what resources do you have that you find hard to part with? And I'm going to suggest, at least for me, and maybe for many of us, the hardest thing for me to give away is time. I feel very time pressured in my life. I feel like I don't have enough. God, give me more time. I don't have enough hours in the day. I feel that. And I'm sure we're, you know, a lot of us here, we've got you know, children, we've got jobs, we've got, you know, there's a lot going on. So I would suggest that the most important thing we could give away is time. Time to other people. And the lettuce that you've received, actually, is not just, a, it's not really a lettuce. It's actually Penny's time. Yeah. Invested in growing and then giving a phone call. One phone call. If you have time for one to encourage somebody. One text message, one WhatsApp, one email, one, I don't know, the, the whole list of things, right? One thing. One coffee. One lunch. One dinner. One walk together with somebody. One prayer with somebody. Perhaps over the phone if we can't meet up. I've done that a few times with people. What could we give? What little bit of time. And I think to God, you see, it doesn't matter. It might be five minutes. But your five minutes of your time is equal to two hours of somebody else's time. Even if you only have five minutes. That's precious. And that's you giving away something that's a scarce resource. And I think God will be very, very excited about that. What a difference we can make with just giving away a little bit of our stuff. So don't worry about stuff. God's got your back. So give some stuff away. And you'll have treasure in heaven. We're going to finish with this verse in Romans 8. And then we're going to take bread and wine together. Because we'll take communion now. And that will refresh us, I believe. Because it reminds us of what God has given us. And when we remember what God has given us, it's so much easier to give to other people. I love this passage in Romans 8. Because it puts together what Jesus has, what God, what Jesus has done for us. And very refreshing. Romans 8, verse 32. 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's interceding for us to help us not to be worried, not to be anxious, not to be afraid, but to give away stuff to others as Christ has done for us so we do then for others. Let's pray together.